All right. In five, four, three, two, one, go. Oh, really? Did you have a rough week? I I didn't have a rough week, no. But um, what am I doing here? You won't let me. Did you um? So you got in. So you're in and up and running at your new spot, right? Uh huh. How the heck is that? My home or my job? Let's start with your job, and then we'll work backwards. Well, start with my job. Crap. My job is great. Um, it's so different than my old job. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's – I don't know why it's not letting me check, click on this to check my mail because it's really upsetting me, honestly. Well, here, I'll work on it for a minute, and you talk about your okay. new job. All right, so I, I'm at a new school. Um a much larger school. So I left a school where there's roughly 700 something kids. Uh, now I'm at a school that, where it's 2000 kids. Uh, and so what is the uh, biggest difference you notice in the size? <laughs> What's the biggest difference besides the size of the school? Was that what you were Yeah, asking? no, like what, what, because of the size, what is the biggest difference you reckon? Um, I have kids that are much more cultured, um, and aware of the, the world outside of the school building, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I walk into this classroom and let me say, I'm their third teacher, fourth teacher since August. Uh, so, you know, the first day, of course, they... Whoa, wait a minute. You are the fourth teacher since third August? fourth, yes, yeah, since August. I don't remember which one. So that means that you're walking into a rough one. Oh, rough is putting it nicely. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea of that. Wow. Well, and honestly, I didn't have any idea. And that's, you know, my own fault for not So these asking. kids have run off three other guys, three other well, teachers. Their first teacher, their teacher of record, I think that she, my understanding is that she was sick. And so the doctor took her out of work. Um, and so the other two, don't know if they quit, whatever the case may be. The job came open and now it's me. Um and so, dude, let me tell you something, okay? Uh, <laughs> just, just, just for future reference, and we may have a few teachers out there that listen to this. If you walk into a job where you're the fourth person that year, uh, you need to wear bulletproof. No, I think naturally I, I can metaphorically as speaking. a as a um, teacher who used to teach mythology, I consider myself to be somewhat of a of a Greek god, if you will, you know. So, I, I wasn't scared. I just love your I, humility. Every uh, week I'm reminded how humble you are in front of all these people <laughs> that never. I wasn't. No, seriously. I wasn't like fearful. Um, however. Okay. Bulletproof, like I metaphorically, was, like you need to be, you need to, you need to be guarded because this, I'm telling you, yes, you're walking into sure, a rough But one. I, I think that, you know, for me, if I go into a new place, naturally I'm guarded. It may be an insecurity of mine because here's what happens, you know. When you see me, I'm this large black man. But when you hear me, I don't have the most masculine voice. Okay, so if I I would have never said that in my twenties, I probably would have been more pissed off and ready to fight. But now that I'm in my thirties, like I well, wait a minute, your voice that bothers you? Oh, it used to like it used to make me so angry and hurt. Oh, we got to break through that. I really wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to meet anyone new. Like, if I didn't already know you, I wasn't going what anywhere. What do you think? Why, though? Why do you think that was? Why do I think what? Why, why do you think you responded that way when people talked about maybe your voice or something um, like that? Because it comes with a label that's just not true. 
you know. And oh, so, you're talking about like stereotypes yeah. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Okay. So it comes with a label that that's not. That's, that's one that's, of the things I've always liked about you is like you, the the difference is just like if you heard you talk on the phone and then you showed up and you're like, yeah, like with a name like Shavai, you're like, well, he's probably black. But then when you showed up, you black. Like, that was not the, the Shavai I was expecting. Right. You should see when I go through a drafter somewhere. <laughs> It is the most. I used to get really ticked because they would say things like "Yes, ma'am," blah 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 blah, and then I would roll up to the window and they look at me. <laughs> oh yes, that is awesome. Hey, we need to do a drive-through challenge. Like, I was. Well, I don't remember where I was. But that but would like, upset you. Um, it used to. It used to upset me something awful. Um, so I would go. Like I would just not. I'm an emotional person, not a crier, but like, I, and I love people and building relationships. But if I felt like I was going into a new arena or avenue um, when I was younger and through my 20s, I wouldn't do it. I was even fearful of going to college because it it was requiring me to build new relationships and go to a place where I'd never been before and meet people that didn't know me. So, like, I I just didn't talk a whole lot um, initially. But as people got to know me, as I got to know them, I have some of the best friends ever. Um, so I say all that to say, I walk in to my new school and in my classroom and the moment that I said, good morning, and this is in every class, first, second, third, fourth, and seventh periods, uh, they busted out laughing, you know, and I, because I'm very confident now, it's just like, I don't give two shits, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. So. My first period, they're they're actually really good kids, so like they were fine, no big deal. My second period, lots of alpha males and females in there, so they're just like, he's just saying stuff. So I just stopped talking for a minute, um, and they were looking at me like they were like, oh wait, this dude is like not playing with us. And I said, you know what? It is so sad that you all are followers when you're meant to lead. Had no idea what they had no idea what I was talking about. They were like, "What?" I said, "Do you think that you're the first class to laugh at me when I speak?" I said, "I've been dealing with people, teaching, working at camps since I was a sophomore in college. So that was a long time ago. Okay, a long time ago. And so you really think like I am that pressed or bothered by your laughter?" I said, "So I'm going to say this. I'm going to make it clear to you." I'm the king, I'm the ruler, and I'm the dictator. So what I say, go. It doesn't even matter how I say it or what you feel like you're hearing. I'm in charge. So, And if you don't like that, I will kindly have you removed. And I said, and what you're failing to realize is this. This school, they are lucky to have me, okay? So if I have to send you out, it doesn't work in your favor. So newsflash, <laughs> I win, so you need to listen. You know what? Um, the only thing that made that a little better, if you'd hit him with the uh, rush hour line, I'm Michael Jackson, you Tito. <laughs> <laughs> but, Maybe. Um, no. Well, that's so, interesting to know, and 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 it's good to know. Uh, how, how, so, how did they take all that? Um, after the first day, they were okay. You know, they were really, and and now that I've been there over a week, 
they have, I've won them over, and I'm going to tell you, this is really funny. So, two stories. In my third period class, they're probably my worst group of kids, and they know that I, they hadn't won me over yet, because my instruction in there is completely different from the rest of my classes, uh, and so they don't get rewards, mm-hmm. and so they're bothered by that, but I just said, you know, I'm going to respond to your behaviors, that's it, period. I said, I'm not yelling, I'm not fussing, we're just going to respond to behaviors, and we move forward. Well, I have this kid in there, and he... I have a cell phone rule. So now at this school, they can be on their cell phones and in the classroom it's at the teacher's discretion. Well, I'm not about that life. So like when you're in my room and on my time, you're putting your cell phone away, like period. Yeah. We're not even discussing this. So they, they got it. This boy in this third period class did not get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I said, put your cell phone away. And he looks at me and says, I have a hearing problem. And I said, okay, well, I need you to remember that you said that I'm going to document that so the rest of your teachers know that, but just keep that in mind that you have a hearing problem. And he was like, what? And I said, yeah, just, it's fine. No problem. You have a hearing problem. Ten minutes later, he raises his hand. Mr. Brown, can I go to the bathroom? I said, you, is it a question of your ability? And he was like, what? I said, it doesn't matter. I have a hearing problem. And the class was like, oh, <laughs> he got you. He got you. He's like, I don't even know what he's talking about. And this one girl was like, you said earlier that you had a hearing problem. Now he's telling you that he has a hearing problem. So the, basically he's telling you, no, you're not going to the bathroom. And oh, he pitched a fit. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm just responding. I said, your, your attitude is so contagious that I got the same problem. Yeah. So we're all good. Now I would tell you that he's probably the best student in there because he wants to go to the bathroom. And I still don't let him go. Once they're in my classroom, they're in there. Uh, and the last thing, this is when I realized that I was at a different place. Uh, Friday, I have fifth and sixth period planning, which is back to back, and it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was getting ready for my seventh because they, <laughs> they're a great class, but you got to have things ready for them to do, okay? Yeah. Otherwise, they're going off the deep end. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm getting things ready, like, first assignment, second assignment, third assignment. <laughs> um, and classes are only 45 minutes, however long they are. Well, the fire alarm goes off. Now, if you remember Friday, it rained all day. All day. So I was like, I'm just going to hide in the bathroom. I don't have any kids, you know. But I was like, no, I just go outside. So I'll go outside. There are mud puddles everywhere. And these kids are cussing like there's no tomorrow. I'm not getting my effing shoes wet. Oh, H, no. Blah, blah, blah. And I wish there was a camera on me because I'm like a deer in headlights. I'm looking around like, where am I? And there are 2,000 students moving in the same direction. People are refusing to go places. People are trying to stay underneath the, like, bridge or whatever of the school and they're, like, yelling at their teachers. Their teachers are yelling back at them. They're cussing at their teachers. Their teachers are cussing back at them. And I'm just like, I, thank you, Lord, that I don't have a class right now because I'm thinking, what class would I really want to have out here? Because all of them really would be that way. Well, then the group of kids that I had taught earlier, earlier that day, they come walking towards me, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, I hope they ain't coming to me because I can't, I, I can't help y'all. They come and stand right in front of me, and they're like, Mr. Brown, we need to get out of here. And you're the only person that can help us. And I was like, 
I just got here. I, I'm lucky to find where I'm supposed to be because no one has given me any type of emergency plan or anything like that. So I'm just following the crowd. And someone, some teacher just said, this is where you're supposed to be if you're with your kids. So that was great. Uh, and I said, well, let me, let me ask you all a question. Do you think for one second when you were in your classrooms that your teachers, whether they were given instructions or you were working on something, just a light bulb went off and said, let's go outside and have a fire drill? Because it's raining. Let's stand in the mud with our students with no umbrella or no jacket. Like, do you do you really think that that's what the thought process was? And they were like, well, no. And I said, so I don't understand why you're so upset. Because no one out here, myself included, and I don't even have a class, wants to be out here. So, like, why do you feel like you get to say all of these things? Your teachers didn't look at you and say, it's raining outside. You got these brand new white Air Force Ones you got for Christmas. Let's go mess them up in a puddle. It doesn't work that way. So you know what? We're going to be out here soaked together. And I said, and the joy of that is that we're going to go back inside. You can get some tissue, wipe your shoes off, and you live to fight another day. Okay? That's it. But really, in that moment, I realized, like, I'm in a different place. Because if I – at the old school, I don't know that I don't think that would have happened. Maybe two or three kids would have had something to say about it, but like this was like the entire school. And on top of that, we switched to seventh period. I was thankful that maybe I only had like thirty minutes with them, so I thought it was, it was helpful. And it was Friday, so let's just go home. The um, the the ever loving fire drill, um, which everybody does, and they tell you what class is going to be in because always fires are announced, um, and you never have one during lunch. Uh, or anything like that, but did, was it just a drill? It was. A, it wasn't a drill. A sensor or something went off. Oh, okay. So, because the fire department came on. Do you know the best fire drill prank that I've ever been a part of? And I wasn't did a part. You do the no, prank? I wasn't a part of the prank. I was just, a teacher. Oh. Okay. And we were in middle school. <laughs> and it was a. Oh, this could be good. It was a, middle school. It was a K through eight, so it was elementary and middle school. When I first started working, it was my first year as a school teacher, and. <laughs> A kid in the fourth grade did it on field day for the middle school. (laughs) And if anybody, if any of you guys know, yeah, the way this works is, so when they pull the fire alarm, everybody exits out. And then it's the administration's job to locate every child. All right. So every every child had to be located. So the way we did that was back then, and I don't know, I think we kind of have the same system now, but like, it's like a thumbs up. Hey, I have all these kids there with me. All right. Um, you know, my roster is taken care of. Okay. So, and then, so you, you had a red, you, it was a thumbs up, thumbs down system or a red card, green card. Uh, so green card, you're good. Red card, you're good. So they always say, okay, fourth period, we're having a fire drill the last 10 minutes. So they let, so basically what that's saying is, Hey man, don't let kids go to the bathroom. Make sure they're all here. Right. Make sure you got your rosters. Make sure everybody's good. That way you can give the green card and everything's all good. And we meet compliance or whatever. So well, as you can imagine, field day, middle school, the way this school was, had all these different kids. They were kids everywhere. everywhere. Oh, and we were outside, I bet, for an hour as the principal walked from the red card to the red card to the red card. He would say, okay, I need such and such and such and such and such and such. And they would say, uh, he's with me, he's with me, he's with me. And then you'd go, he'd go to the next teacher. And I had 13 kids out of my class that day. 
and we had to sit there and locate 13 kids over walkie-talkies. And we were outside. Did everyone have a radio? They, well, um, one of the things is, and this is this will be something probably you that noticed. It could be chaotic. Oh, it was very chaotic. But one of the things you'll recognize is in these bigger places, the systems are made to operate. Like it's not, like one of the things like I think coming to a smaller school now is, you know, you can, you can have three or four guys located strategically yeah. on radios mm -hmm. and you can solve about anything. But at this place, there was a system that you went through and you filtered through it. So everybody knew. And it actually, I mean, for an hour to have basically probably 200 kids displaced throughout a school and an hour to locate them all, I mean, get them all out, figure it out, was probably uh, somewhat decent uh, given the circumstances we were in. Um, but I don't know. I, I sit there and I said, this poor soul, this poor little boy who has pulled, our little girl who's pulled this fire alarm, and it was a fourth grade kid, as a prank, does not realize what they have done. What, what's, what's going to be coming down for them. Mm -hmm. And because, and, and, I mean, me, I'm a prank. I enjoy, a, I mean, like, I really enjoy a good prank. So I'm sitting there thinking they could not have picked a better time to create chaos around this place. So shout out to the kid for a little forethought in their prank. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, but I bet you they threw the, the law at that, um, whoever that was. Well, nothing really happened in the fourth grade, so I don't, I mean, suspension from school, sure, no biggie. Um, I'm not a big prankster. My best friend in college, um, Brent, I can shout out Brent if you're listening, you'll appreciate this story. Um, he loves a good prank. He has stolen my car and hid it from me. And you know what, you're gonna get a kick out of this. Every time I tell this story, people bust out laughing, and so I'm just, I'm, I've been scarred, but I'm just, the scar is healed. I was teaching at middle school, teaching middle school, and one Friday, it was payday, I think Georgia was playing South Carolina in Athens, so like I was getting ready to go there with my friends, it was going to be a great weekend. Hey, what year? We had a shot at that one. I don't remember what year. I mean, it had to be fairly, maybe four years ago, five, hmm. maybe six at the most. Six, we had um, a shot. So all of a sudden, I start getting these random phone calls from numbers I don't recognize. I'm not answering them, but I'm thinking in my head, like, I've paid all my bills. I don't think that I owe anybody. Like, I, you know, like, I, that is the only thing that's going through my head. And because it's payday, like, I, I already taken care of my bills. Like, who's calling me? But then I notice as I'm going down the road, every person that's calling me, they're leaving a voicemail. And so I'm thinking, okay, let me just check these voicemails. So I was like, hey, I'm interested in your car. I'll give you $1,000 right now, blah, blah, blah. Hey, this message is for Brent. I'm interested in your car. I'll give you $2,500 right now if you meet me X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking, what? He got you with the Craigslist ad, huh? I only have two Brents in my life that I consider to be friends. And this was easy because – the other Brent would never do anything like this, but my college roommate Brent, oh, he, this is right up his alley. And true enough, he had put my car on sale, on Craig's, for sale on Craigslist, listed at like a ridiculous cheap price, and he put it in practically every major city. So Atlanta, Miami, Los Angeles, Manhattan, and Charlotte. And you talk about someone that was pissed. I called him, and he was working with his firm, <clears throat> and um, this, no, 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 a person called me from Charlotte in his area, and he was asking me about the car, and I thought it was Brent being funny with his little friends, 
and I am cussing, yelling, screaming, only to find out like they have no idea who Brandon is. Like they're really calling him out of the car. And when I tell the story, people like die laughing. <laughs> it ticked me off. I had not a pr- and there was nothing I could do to get him back. What did you? Wh- I mean, did you just eventually field all the calls, or did he take the ad down? No, he took it down. But he, well, he claimed that he took it down. I told him to take it down. I don't know that he really took it down until like Saturday. <laughs> I literally, eventually, I had to just turn my phone off. Yeah, that's a that's pretty classic. But um, you know that's a crime. Oh yeah, I would imagine that's. A, I wish I would have known. I'm sure that's textbook harassment. I'm pretty sure yeah. you could have got some money off that deal. Oh, don't say harassment. I don't like that word. Well, listen, your friends shouldn't be harassers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's a pretty good prank. Um, the. I don't know. I felt like in college, man, there were a lot of good pranks. I used to have a good buddy of mine um, I don't want to get into too many of them now but um, I could tell by the pause yeah so no we had we, we had a good time and we would uh we would do some crazy stuff I can tell you one time we were we used to we used to be like um you know we, we went to North Greenville so we're up there in the what they call the dark corner of uh, South Carolina which is uh that's near Travel's Rest. Yeah, up, up, up towards them. And I had a buddy who I went to school with who was from that area, so he knew that area really well. And a lot of people get got missed about how the Dark Corner was named the Dark Corner. Some people think it's tied to, like, the moonshining days. The actual, the actual reason why it's called the Dark Corner is because um, when people wanted to secede from the Union, nobody up there supported it. Okay. And they said the light of secession will never reach the dark corner of, of South Carolina. And so that's how that name originally started. But it's also where everybody ran to the hills to get away from revenuers when they were making moonshine. So it kind of it, it got that, that, it, that I guess that name kind of stuck with that. So a lot of people think that's where it's come from. So we used to always go hunting like and see what we could find because my buddy actually went to school with a guy who like sold one of those mountains up there and it was like oh they lived in a single room log cabin home on the side of a mountain like it was it was like a deliverance story you know what yeah, i mean I like i wouldn't be going up there yeah so we used to go up there and look around and see what we could find and uh i'll never forget one night we were in and he was like we were trying to find the original log cabin that that guy lived in and you got to understand now they had bit they had i mean the cliffs of glassy had come in all these homes had come in so we're navigating through these backwoods trying to figure out how to get to this place um, where we think this was. I, if I'm not mistaken, like like Travelers Rest High School had to get like a uh, a four wheel drive van with mud tires to go up there and get these people when when they found out they were up there. Like it was not. This is like seriously like a group of people who lived on a mountain who were backwood country disconnected. Um, I mean, as early as like the the mid '80s. And so we were up there trying to find. It was a dirt room. It was a, the 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 story was they lived in a log cabin that was dirt floor. Uh, no indoor plumbing. And so we were looking for the original. Ooh. Yeah. We were looking for the cabin. And so we got up in there and I said, boys, we got to be careful. You know, you have to, you know, a lot of that stuff still goes on up there. There's a lot right. of people who try to carry on traditions and a lot of moonshiners and stuff up there. And so we were storming back through. We used to find, I mean, dude, we, he could take us. We went to old uh, grave sites. Um, supposedly like the third most haunted place in South Carolina is Poinsett Bridge right there across from Camp Old Indian. We spent, I mean, we've been there, all that stuff, hiked all over those mountains looking for this cabin. Um, but we were in one night, and he said, hey, I think if we try going down, you know, this way or whatever, and we were all in trucks, and there was like two groups of us. And we got back in there, man, and I just got this kind of, I've always felt like I've had like a, 
Mm-mm. being able to kind of sense like, hey, man, it's time. We, we, we've had enough You're fun. You're a spirit of discernment. Yeah, so we were sitting there, and we had this guy with us who, who was a friend of ours. But he, 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 You know, you're always around that one guy that don't understand the gravity of the situation. And I said, dude, we're not in a place where, you know, if somebody catches us back here and we're not supposed to be back here, it might get kind of ugly. And um, uh, yeah, my. And so we're sitting there. Will. We're sitting there, and he's like, "Let's go down here. Let's go down here." I was like, "Dude, I do not want to go down that way." And um, and so we're sitting there, and we're kind of having this conversation. We got the trucks turned off, kind of sitting, and up on a ridge, like somebody screams at us. They just yell. Um, then they don't they don't do nothing but yell to let us know they're there. Um, and it's okay. pitch black dark, probably two o'clock in the morning. You this know what I mean? Some real moonshine. Yeah, show. and so uh, so <laughs> so we proceeded to jump in the car and get out of there. Um, but that guy who didn't understand the gravity situation said he went back down there on his own later on, and uh, he got a gun pulled on him, and got run off. Um, of course he did. The uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like a moonshiner situation. It was a homeowner that had built a home back in there, okay. and he was just really familiar familiar with it, and he seen him coming, uh, supposedly. But it was that was that was uh, we used to do a lot of that in college. That was always fun. See some of those. Uh, how difficult life must have been in the 1800s when you are, you know, I guess 1800s when you look at these um, graveyards and the headstones are like three feet apart, stacked down through there where they must have been 15 children buried. I mean, you couldn't even read them. They'd just be like rocks or something. But you'd be in like a graveyard. Like There might be like three that had like actually inscriptions that you might could make out a date on. But then, like, there would be a patch of them, and they're just... And you were doing this at night? Oh, yeah. We used to love it, man. We'd, oh, go, out and, no. we'd go out and check all that out, man. It was pretty cool. Loved going up there. So, not to change subjects, but I did get into our email. And the two people who have emailed us are... I consider them to be my children. I love them. Shout out to Grayson and Mark. Y'all are great people. Uh, oh, we didn't get any more after them? No. Come on, man. Somebody's got an email out there. Well, yeah, but... We, you know, I think after we post this, we'll get a lot more emails. So you've responded to these, so this is great. Um, I didn't realize how the email account was set up, though, and after I was responding to one, I, it actually signed your name. Uh, so I quit responding. <laughs> I didn't log back in. I was like, I was talking no, to some okay. guy. And yeah, I was like, you were talking to Mark, and you said, maybe I should have started off with Coach Brown and I share this account or something like that. <laughs> he knows that, though. So thank you, Mark and Grayson. But I think Grayson asked a question. Yeah, he gave us a, uh, if I remember right, he gave us a uh, topic idea about uh, changing the community thing, Yeah, this is what does it take to impact so many in an entire community and share some stories of people you've seen do this. You don't have to do it now. You can hold it for a later time. Um, I think we're better off the cuff. Yeah, you know, we, I, I don't know if you are aware of this, but... (laughs) And I'm not going to, like, get um, – this doesn't even bother me. I'm not going to talk about it too much. But So recently uh, a mother posted a negative comment about me on social media, on Facebook. Uh, and basically there was this letter, a trending letter going around on Facebook. You know how they have these ads about coaches and stuff. And so I think the letter is a letter to my coach who – made me lose my passion or something to that effect. Um, I haven't even read the letter. I saw it because I saw someone else post it. I, I'm not friends with her on social media, so I really didn't know, wasn't aware of this until I got a phone call from a friend uh, who is actually 
her cousin or something. Right. I don't know. Before you get into this, I got to go into a social media round again. Okay, please right. do. This is the problem with social media. All right. And, I, and any of you, God love you, because I got a lot of family, a lot of people I love deeply who love social media. I love social media. Yeah, again, a lot of people that I care about, a lot of people that I think highly of love social media, and social media can do a lot of good. But listen to me, okay? On Twitter or, or Snap whatever or any of that bull crap, when, when a brain surgeon and Joe Blow get the same amount of characters, the same amount of time, the same amount of opportunity, the same amount of, of, of floor space to speak, it's only good as long as the topic's not brain surgery. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So, so any idiot can go out there and type the same amount of characters as you about what you are going through, about what you are experiencing. And that is unbelievably powerful, and we have no idea the impact it has on a society. And chances are the people that are typing are only the people that are pissed off to start with. Because most people, you, when, when you remove the, the engagement, it's made us like more like standoffish, I think, as a, as a society because most people only say something if they're upset and they're removed from any consequences of having <clears> to deal with the other people's reaction or emotion in front of their face. And so it's the reason why you should put it down. You should slow down on it. You should delete. You should only, you should, you know, I, I, a guy I considered wise when I, when I had all that crap years ago, used to have a Facebook, and it used to always kind of amaze me. He would only, he was, he was a, he's a minister, um, he's, he's a good dude, man. He would only put a Bible verse on there. That's all he would put. And I, I, and I wondered, I was like, what is he? I was like, dude, it's like, yeah, I mean, he may. But the reason why is because if we're talking, whatever we're talking, I know football pretty well. You know basketball pretty well. It doesn't matter. The next guy gets us just as much time to talk about that stuff. Hey, and they may be more qualified to talk about We should shut up, maybe. And so when you have that scenario and you have these types of things, and then you, you mix that with a parent who's already jaded, all right, because um, they, they want to blame somebody else because of, of whatever's going on, which, you know, I fundamentally believe is, is, is just absolutely false. You know, you don't blame other people for your plight in life. Right. Uh, and, 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 you, and you're not too, you know, you don't blame others for your circumstances. And you don't take credit for all your success. It's just not the way it works. Right. So um, anyway, when you put a brain surgeon talking about brain surgery and I get as many comments as he's got, the platform's flawed. And, and so, uh, anyway, continue. Well, so, <clears throat> so anyway, she posts this letter to the coach and addresses me. Like I'm the coach that caused her daughter to lose her passion, um, for playing basketball. And so, uh, you know, like. When it was brought to my attention, I was just like, oh, what, you know, like, I, it is what it is. Like, I don't, that's not who I am. So, like, I'm not worried about it. Well, then people started commenting. And so, obviously, people who care about me are sending me these things, which I had, like, this epiphany or some type of realization that everyone who's commenting are people who aren't in the district where I coach. And they're people who don't know me. And then, really, they're just saying things like, I'm sorry you had to go through this. Hopefully you'll make the best of the situation. You know, like good, yeah, they're, they're very play, generic things. They're playing you know? their, their, their trials so, out on public square. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's all good. Well, then all of a sudden uh, there's this lady who commented that she has seen me, uh, she has witnessed me um, harassing parents and students. Like she has l 
physically seen me do these things. So that's when I kind of got like, okay, like this is ridiculous. Like I don't even know like what they're talking about. So then all of a sudden, and I am thankful for my self-control because my social media is just positive stuff because I, I don't need to entertain that, you know. But then it hit me like this lady who posted, who started this post, I haven't coached her daughter in two years. Like she has been out of high school for two years. And so if she needed to get that off of her chest, you know, congratulations. You know, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's the and other funny thing is most people don't realize that really or not, no matter how you feel, we're probably on your side in most of these things. <laughs> exactly. Like, like I understand like whatever frustrations you experience as a coach, I can guarantee you we experience that same frustration. So what really like, I think what really caused more dislike of her post was that people, my former players who are in high school anymore started commenting. Um, and it was like getting pretty ugly. Uh, and so I, you know, a small part of me, I'm not even gonna say a small part of me, a part of me was very appreciative of that because it was just like, they stuck up for you? Yeah. You know, like, they're like, you you need to take off your blinders, your your goggles for a minute, because what you're saying is just not true. And so she, you can tell, like, she probably started thinking about some things. That I think that she would never say that I shouldn't have posted it. That's fine. I think that if she had to do it over again, that she probably would have posted something a little bit different. And, you know, so people, I say that to say, you know, like, I – when I look back on the situation, like it really isn't this like horrific thing, you know, like I am a huge fan of discipline. I'm a huge fan of, as a coach, like time is valuable and I want you to honor those things. And if you don't, there are other things in place, you know? So that basically was the, was the gist of the issue and that, you know, her daughter was, I don't even like to say she was punished. Like, she had to run yeah. because I'm a coach and we condition. And so you miss conditioning. So I made up for my lost instructional time because you were late. You passion stealer. Yeah. And so, and that's the point. Like, so I thought about that, not even so much about that situation, but just the word passion in general. And so I'm thinking, I would never say that I'm passionate about something but allow a person or an entity or an organization to take that passion away from me. So then I'm thinking like, what is passion? Because if you're not um, feeding your passion outside of the, the gym floor as a basketball coach, then you're not really passionate because if you're, if you're not getting better in the off season, that's not passion. If you're not saying to your coach, what can I do to get better that's not passion. If you can't say, Coach Wiles, Coach Brown, Coach so-and-so, we ended early. Can I put up some extra shots or get some extra reps? Because those things say that you're passionate, yeah. you know. And so that's what I thought. I, I want to go read that letter. Because I would love to know, like, what are they defining passion as? Well, the truth know? of the matter is, 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 is and I mean, I, it's maybe hard for some people to hear. If you – Everybody has to have somebody to blame. Oh. And that is so yeah. weak-minded. That is so – that is not at the core of anything that I believe or I try to teach. It, it, the, You know, we, 
it, often we draw a, a paradigm that I kind of got from a guy that I worked with at Spartanburg High School. It's two circles, one circle over to the left and one circle over to the right. And, and, and in the middle, these circles overlap, and it's a small piece. It's probably about 10%. And the left circle says things that matter, and the right circle says things that you can control. And then the overlapping of those two places is where you should spend your time. And that same guy always accompanied that uh, with the phrase that the minute that you give up control of your circumstances, you lose control of everything else. And, and it's so important, and, and I, I'm just speaking, I mean, again, to that parent uh, out there who, who believes wholeheartedly that their child's passion has been lost through meeting a person who has dedicated time of their life um, to hopefully being able to help this child accomplish their goals, which not all coaches are good. Let's not fool ourselves. Right. But all of them did. All of them do what they don't do what they do for the money. Uh, trust okay. Me. So so they've well, dedicated. Yeah, they've dedicated their life to that, and they've set themselves up, and and they're going to say this person is the one that took it from me, and, and, and the minute they give up that, the minute they give up control of what their passion is, is the minute they give up control of everything else. And, and, and what worries me, scares me to death is, is that that child, insert that child. We've all dealt with that child at some point and that parent. But insert them in and, and 20 years down the road, what happens when this kid faces some adversity? What happens when this kid gets fired from a job? What happens when they don't get the promotion they're looking for? All right. And this is the opportunity that's designed in our system for them to learn how to deal with that junk today. And we and we pass that buck on down the road mm -hmm. and we do it for so many reasons. I mean, we do it for so many reasons. We don't take the opportunity that we have in front of us to 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 address that kid and what's going on with them because we give them a cop out because it's somebody else's fault. And it and it and it is it is a pet peeve of mine. To, to allow that to happen. You take ownership on right. your shoulders of your job and your effort and your attitude and your communication and your discipline, all right, and your execution, all right? That ownership falls. That's the reason why anytime a kid don't make a play and they're crying after the game because it may have cost us the game, I'm there to console that kid because that kid knows that, hey, it was on me, me. Right. and that's what they learn. And I've got to get back up. I've got to pick myself up from the bootstraps, and I'm there with them when they celebrate, when they make that play too because they understand that's on me. And, 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 and at the end of the day, as all we can do to these children is teach them that yeah. and try to put them in place. And all these Looney Tunes – who want to who want to who want to comment on that? And they they have a right to their opinion. Absolutely. They pay their money. Hey, post it. That's the reason why I'm off social media. I'm off social media because I've watched some of the greatest men that I've known try to help children get out of the worst situations I've ever seen be tore down because yeah. people want to sit there and say stuff like he's stealing from my kid. Yeah. And I'm going, dude, he's trying to give your kid what he needs. Yeah. And, and 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 so that's what I would encourage you. If you understood how this goes, the problem is is that's very on or off. It's very binary. Yeah, with a lot of these people. And they don't yeah, understand and that it. Was the, and that was my thing. Like, when I was talking to my beer best friend about it, and he recognizes I'm an emotional person, but he's like, you just seem not bothered by this. And I was like, well, I'm not. I said, you know why I'm not bothered by this? It's just simply because I know who I am. I know the values that I hold. And I know why I do what I do. And so it is unfortunate that there's a, and there's always going to be one person, you know, like, and I, I have the mindset that I think that any player that plays for me or that I come into contact with, I can save them, you know, and I, and some people, you know, say, well, you can't save everyone. And that may be true, but I personally feel like the day that I feel like I can't save someone, 
I got to find something else to do because I'm going to try to save them. And I said, the only thing that bothers me about that one situation or that particular, this particular situation is that this was never really addressed when it, it was at the forefront. You know, like two years ago. Nobody said anything good about it then, is what you're saying? Right. Okay. So they brought it to my attention, but the we had a three-minute conversation of basically my child was late because of me. Um, that was my fault. I can understand that. I can get with it. But it doesn't change the fact that I still have expectations. And that was the extent of it. It was just to agree to disagree and we move forward. So for this to be like two years later, yeah, it's almost comical. Well, at that it's, point. it is, but it, but again, you know, and not to take, I don't know any of these people and I don't care. Uh, look, everybody has the right to see fit, to protect their children the Absolutely. way they see fit. And that's what, that's what's so hard about this is because at the end of the day, when, when people come and address you to this, it's like, Hey man, you need to see it my way. And, and the other guy's like, Hey, you know, you need to see it my All way. Right. And so the end of the day is, hey, it's whoever's in charge of this responsibility and do you want to make it? And, and so I don't ever want to, I hope I don't ever, um, you know, and I'm pretty sure you're the same way. I don't want to ever come off to a parent and like, hey, man, it ain't like we don't get it. Right. Hey, but, but sometimes life sucks. Yeah. And sometimes you're late and it's not your fault. And sometimes you got to do something because somebody else made that mistake. And if you, I mean, it's... It's so funny to me that people will focus. It's, it's, it's the excuse given to the kid, and that's what they want to do. They want to change those circumstances by letting somebody else control it, and they don't realize they're giving up all that other control. Right. And, it's, and it's just that. It's that in a nutshell, and it's that in the workforce, and it's that in the classroom, and it's that everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and very rarely is the, it, it, very, the, the person may not be the best. It may not be the easiest way, but very rarely is there not a way to get it done. And it's just like, I think I said this. I don't know if I said it last week or the one it got, but uh, Damon John, you know, it, it, my success is not on me solely, and my, but my failure is. Yes. And, and that's what we got to start teaching these kids. You're talking about impact in a community. I thought about that when I read that and, like, what does it take? Um, you know, it, it definitely takes a passion, but it also takes somebody who's not willing to accept the excuse or the status quo. Exactly. And I'm not, I've never been that way because I, you know, I like self-reflect. Like I come from a single parent household. I have a college degree, you know, the data says I don't make it. You know, if you look at the data of African-American boys coming from a single parent household where the single parent is a mom, you know, the consensus says that this person doesn't make it. So I, I have always chosen not to be a statistic in a negative way, you know? Yeah. And so now that I'm teaching, you've refused to fail and, and I have fallen short. Oh, absolutely. But I've gotten up and I have taken, taken ownership of this is where I messed up, but I can't keep doing the same thing. So like, how do you change this? So yeah, I'm still a statistic to a certain degree, but it's more of a positive thing because now there are, I am, a percentage of a small percentage of African American male teachers in the public school system, which is less than two percent. But like, that's great because for me the percentage number isn't great, and wish it was better. But because I'm in that category, I get to make a real difference, and and that's that's my outlook. You know, is that I have the 
because of people around me nurturing my mind um, and me stepping out on faith, I have the opportunity to give children that same recipe. You know, it isn't, you don't have to teach. You want to go into the military. Well, let's make this work. You want to go to college. Let's make this work. Like your situation doesn't have to define the outcome of your life. And I'm the person, look, I didn't let my, my mom is amazing. Nothing short of that. And I know that she made sacrifices to make sure that we had everything that we needed or wanted for for that matter. And I went to college free, you know? So I get it. Like, let's just take ownership. Let's learn and be better. Yeah, that might be the another word. Passion, ownership. Um, I think something else that I noticed. Just you know, I, I'm a. I love to watch people how they interact um, with each other, and and I think something that takes to change a community um, is also the word ally. Um, I put a lot of thought in this here lately when I when I read this. You know, um, man, it seems to me. And I, we, were t- we, we touched on this a little bit, but there's no more polar- polarizing effect um, now. It, th- everything, you know, we talked about binary with coaches, but people are not binary. Um, all people are a combination of good and evil. Um, and, and, and anybody who, who tries to dispute that, uh, show me the perfect person or show me the totally evil, evil person. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, only one that I know existed, uh, and I'm not going to say that you've got to believe that. But... Um, it takes allies. If you've got a group of people who are passionate about trying to change something, they're willing to show ownership and not realize that the circumstances define who or what they are, and they're not going to accept the excuse, then it's going to take a group of people who are, who are allies. And by that I mean, I notice I didn't use the word friends. Um, I didn't use the word people that think the way I think. Right. I didn't use that. And I think that's something that I see maybe plagues communities more than ever now is that this guy don't think exactly how I think, or they don't want the exact same thing that I want in this moment. So I'm not going to, I'm going to put them over there and I'm going to be over here and we're going to build that wall and we're going to, you know, kind of fortify. And, and, and I don't think that's the way to do it. No. I think ultimately if you're dealing with these communities, I mean, and I, I come from, you know, the small community I came from down the road here, um, you know, they just tore down Jackson Mill. Right. Um, and to me, man, I rode by and seen it. And that's, that's like, that's rough to watch. Um, because in my mind, that was, you know, I was South Carolina for a long time right. when I come up. I mean, my, my great-grandfather worked in that mill. Um, my grandfather on my, my great-grandfather on my father's side, my grandfather on my mother's side, my brother worked in that mill. Um, you know, that mill brought a lot of jobs to this area, and you've seen since it's gone and it's went away, kind of, in my opinion, some things uh, are not the same, uh, which there's always change. Um, But if you're going to impact that community, you got to understand that not everybody's an enemy and not everybody's a friend. You got to have some allies, some people that maybe think about things different ways, but want the same result and want good. And I think you can get a whole lot more done uh, if you're willing to um, have a third grouping. (laughs) There ought to be a lot more than three, but but it's not it's not friend, it's not enemy. Where can I put these people and still maintain and build that relationship where we can work toward a common goal to help these kids? Because I, I think, you know, I think this area is that, that, we, that I work in now um, is one of the, uh, you know, greatest places ever, um, but has some, some, some struggles, some things that we got to do to really um, move it up forward. So 
I don't know. I, I, I thought that the ally word was something that really it would really take uh, to impact that community uh, or any community for that that nature. Um, you know, where I came from, I think they did a real good job. I, I need to go back up there because they were doing the north side rebuild project in Spartanburg okay. and all that stuff and actually trying to go through and clean up a lot of stuff um, and trying to rebuild some parts of that community to help kids out. And uh, I think, you know, where I came from, and I, I, could, I couldn't say enough uh, good things about Spartanburg High School and what they did. Um, but they would, uh, like, for instance, they would do things like if you went through this school, you had to play an instrument. All right. Now, this school may not have kids that you would normally associate playing instruments. Now, it takes some allies to get that done because I don't understand the value of playing an instrument till I'm sitting there looking at a kid who's got tattoos up and down his arm. All right. And, and, he's, and he's, yeah, and he's, he's the right tackle for a state championship football team. And he's playing the saxophone for the, uh, Christmas concert or the winter break, whatever concert they have, right. and he's and he and, and he's the first chair, you know. And you're like, that totally broke down everything. All of a sudden, now this kid's got something to latch onto that somebody says is not his stereotype or in his wheelhouse. Right. And so you see things like that, and you see like little small things. Like that is amazing to me. Um, or playing cello or violin, and they start talking about these kids like who are who were like first chair in the whatever orchestra for the Marines because they were in the ROTC program and they were made to play an instrument. And you hear these stories, these guys, and they're writing these composers, and teachers come back and tell the stories about the kids, and they hadn't seen them in 10 years, stuff like that. And so when you start thinking about that, you know, and I think about like, you know, man, you got to be careful, like, you know, because everybody's competing for these kids around here trying to get them a part of their program. Of so, and it's the same way there. But somebody had to say, okay, it's fine for this kid to go sing the national anthem in his football gear and then go play football. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fine. And so, so that, that takes an not, – not necessarily friends. Not anybody say, look, no, we want this kid to be able to have those experiences, and we want that, and it's best for them. And it's, it, it may not be best for me. It may not be best for my organization, all right, but it's best for that kid. Right, and, so, and I think sometimes you have to – not sometimes. I think that we have to realize it's not about us. Oh, absolutely. You know, like this is not about you. This is about the child or the group of children and what we can do to ensure that they're being the best person that they can be. You know, like, so that may require you to step outside of your comfort zone or do or agree with something that you may not necessarily would have always agreed with. But if it's what's best for the kid, let's do that. You know? So thank you, Grayson. Um, Great question. The rest of you out there listening, please, please, please email us catfishandcornbread34 at gmail.com.